hands and please stand as we uh, get ready to worship the Lord this morning. Before we get going, I'd like to share a scripture in a moment. Thank you. Uh, Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It just speaks to the magnitude of God. He was before, he is now, and he will forever be. And that's what we're going to sing about this morning. So uh, let's just prepare our hearts to worship the Lord this morning. He is so amazing and worthy of our praise. day. 
We're just going to rest for a moment. We're going to rest in that church. I mean, in that, in that truth that he's not going to fail us. doesn't matter what we can do. doesn't matter how far we go. He is the rock on which we stand. I want to invite those, if you feel led uh, by the Holy Spirit, to bring a word or speak out something encouraging that God has put on your heart. As you feel led, let's do that right now as we continue to worship.
Jesus, where two or three are gathered, you are there in their midst, Lord. So you're here right now, Lord. We thank you that you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. We thank you, Jesus, for all the things that you are, Lord. You are so great and so amazing. Lord, I just pray that every heart would uh, would come to you in humility today. Lord, you give um, you, you give grace to the humble, Lord. <laughs> you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble, Lord. So, Jesus, I just pray that each heart would come to you in humility today. Lord, we're all coming on common ground. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, Jesus. And so we are so grateful for that Savior that you are, Lord. We come to you with hearts of contrition, with, with humility, Lord. And we just ask for you to move in our midst, Lord. We ask for you to do your will today. Lord, we just worship you for who you are and for nothing else, Lord. We lift up your name in this place, Lord, and, and, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats if you'd like. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Can't do it without him. Wouldn't want to. Um, all right, so I just want to welcome you here today. My name is Curtis. Uh, if you're new here, there is coffee out on the patio there, and there are restrooms down these hallways. You can follow the signs. Uh, also, we've got an info center at the back, and if you need to sign up for anything, want to get further connected to the church, just want to meet a friendly face, you can head back to the info center. We'd be glad to welcome you there. Uh, also, we've got a, a couple of great things coming up. One of those is a worship and prayer morning that we're starting. It's going to be at 8 a.m. on Tuesday, and uh, this hopefully will turn into a monthly thing. We're, we're trying it out um, once and seeing how it goes, but uh, the goal of having it at 8 a.m. is the hope that you can come before work or before you drop the kids off at the school and uh, just come and worship the Lord in prayer and uh, just start your week off in that way. It's going to be really beautiful and amazing time. It's going to be right here, 8 a.m. on Tuesday. Um, the next thing is if you have a child that hasn't been dedicated to the Lord, uh, we're doing baby dedications on October 23rd. So if you want to sign up, you can head back to the info center. Just a great uh, way to dedicate your child and just say, hey, I want to raise this child in the house of the Lord. We want to raise this child as a Jesus follower. And um, it's also, it's kind of more for the parents to like commit their lives like, okay, I'm going to raise this child for the Lord. And, and so kind of doing that in public saying, hey, you guys can all keep me accountable. So it's really good. Um, so we encourage you to do that. Also, pastor appreciation is next Sunday. It's just going to be a great way to honor our leaders and our pastors. So uh, if you would like to bring a little gift for them or a card or something, uh, you can do that and drop it off at the info center. Some people already did that this week and they get extra credit. So um, yeah, they did great. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to bring a gift next week, you're welcome to. Uh, and then the last thing is that we've got another outreach coming up. 
and uh, it's for Halloween in the village. And uh, we don't love the the um, event of Halloween or the holiday of Halloween, but um, but we do want to take advantage of all the kids coming by. It's a great a great way for us to reach out to people, have a positive uh, impact in their lives. And so we're going to be clearing out all the chairs in here and making like a mini carnival in here. And then um, just be welcoming kids to come in, have a great time. We're going to give them, load them up with candy. It's going to be super fun. So, um, it's yeah, it's going to be great. So kids are going to be walking by, and uh, we're going to be you know just loving on them. And so if you want to be involved with that, it's going to take a lot of manpower to do that. So uh, please sign up at the info center if you want to serve at that event. Um, so with that, we're going to uh, have a minute mingle time where you can hang out and talk to people, and we'll be back in about a minute. So thanks so much. I'm messing with the sound guy up here. 
I'm moving my lips, but nothing's coming out, and he's freaking out back there. It's probably not a good idea to mess with the sound people, but it is fun. Oh, come on. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I had a feeling that was coming. Kudos, touche, good job. I would have been bummed if you didn't catch that opportunity there. <laughs> good morning. How is everyone? Hey, we're in our uh, identity series. How many of you remember what our identity series is all about? So last week we talked about our core values, right? No cheating. Close up your notes. <laughs> From your memory, what was the first core value that we talked about last week? But what? The whole thing. What is it? Did you, what is it? Confident in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What's the second one this week? Or confident. Yeah, you're throwing me off here. Committed. Yeah, that was a test, right? We got him. What is it? Committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I knew it didn't sound right. Committed. What's number two? Confident in the Word of God. What's number three? <laughs> Sheila, you should know these. Come on, we've been talking about it for weeks here. <laughs> what is it? All right, what's the other one? Created to serve God and others. Good, good, good. And what, what's our uh, mission statement, our purpose statement? What is it? Okay, it's all right on the screen out, or it's right on the, the sign out there. So it says, right? What? Well, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Oh, it's okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> Impacting. Our community, so it's a big word, impacting, intentional, right? Impacting our community and our world with life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. So we're talking about core values and purpose statement, mission statement, because the core values are kind of what we kind of roll forward on. And as we understand our core values, we decide on ministries, direction, we remember our purpose through those things. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, the rest of our core values. And then our mission statement that we'll kind of unpack a little bit what we believe kind of, we don't have time to talk about everything that we believe, but we talk about that every week. So with that, Lord, we just invite your presence. We thank you, God, that you are here and that when we gather, we gather in your name and you promise that we're, we gather, two or three gather in your name that you are there, Lord God. So we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you're doing. Speak to us. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Confident in the Word of God. We'll be in Psalm 119. We'll be going through about the first 20 verses or so. First service, I didn't get through the last point, so probably will not get through it this service either, So, but I'll, I'll share that last point with you. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we can find confidence in God's word because it actually lights up our feet and our path so we can move forward in wisdom, with clarity, with confidence, with joy, and with peace. We know how to move forward because God's word is there to instruct us, to direct us. And it says that it actually illuminates, lights up our path. So we've got this garden in our uh, in, our, in front of our house. It's called the secret garden and it's super dark at night. And so over the years, we've put in more and more solar lights 
and there's sensor lights. And so when you walk through, the garden just starts lighting up. And so you know, like when a coyote's out there or a stray cat or stray dog or, or a stray person out there, we know when somebody's in the garden because everything's beginning to light up. And so we're like, hey, somebody must be in the garden. And uh, so the word of God is like that. It just kind of illuminates. It's light. It's, a, it's light for our path so that we can kind of get clarity about moving forward. So I don't know about you, but how, how many have been reading the Bible for a year? How many have been reading the Bible for five years? Ten years? Twenty years? Thirty years? Richard, just keep your hand up. Forty years? Fifty years? Harrison, you're old. Sixty years? Sixty years? Holy cow. Sixty years? Harrison's? Anybody older than the Harrison's? Oh, <laughs> what about 70 years? So right around there. I wonder, as you guys have read the Bible for decades, do you always get stuff out of it? Yeah, okay, good. So like, like you've read the same thing over and over again. Do you ever get stuff out of it? At this, like in your, Richard, I'll keep it to you. In this ancient stage of life that you're in, you're still getting, you're still getting, you're still gleaning stuff. All the time. No, oh, that's cool. Cool. Hey, there's a, um, a gold mine in Australia, and uh, they've been mining gold out of this gold mine for close to 50 years. And about 45 years into this gold mining, they, the miners discovered the biggest rocks of gold that they've ever discovered. 45 years of mining, and they're pulling gold out of this place all the time. 45 years later, they're getting like 100-plus-pound boulders of gold worth millions of dollars. I, I love this story because it communicates the value of continuing to mine truth out of God's Word. Because I bet, I bet, the longer we're doing it, the more gold we're going to be able to mine out of that. We've got greater understanding. And who, who knows if we quit early, if we're going to miss out on those major big boulders of gold that God has for us. And so the encouragement is to remain confident in God's word, to continue to open it up all the time and then just see what God will do with questions that you might have, concerns that you might have, fears that you might have. God has a way of revealing truth to our lives. This is not on the screen, but in Psalm 12, 6, 12, 6, it says, and the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So this, the word of God that we're talking about today, the Bible, what we're talking about today has great, great value. So if we think about the, the word of God, we need to understand, well, what is what is the word of God and why do we have such confidence in the word? Well, taken from an article titled, Why Do We Believe the Bible is Actually the Word of God by Dr. Jim Dennison, PhD. He said, well, the Bible claims to be the word of God. <laughs> but this fact does not settle the issue for us because the Quran claims to be the word of Allah. The book of Mormon claims to be the revelation of God. The writers of the Bible were convinced that what they wrote were inspired. They were spoken, breathed by the living God. The Apostle Paul was convinced that, well, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. What scripture, what verses, what, what part of the Bible was he talking about, referring? Well, in the first century, all they had was the Old Testament. So he's saying the Old Testament, books of the Bible, that scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Jesus believed his words to be divinely inspired. In fact, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. His words will never pass away because they're divinely inspired. It's the eternal wisdom and word of God. And so heaven and earth may pass away, but the words of Jesus will never pass away. Speaking of the totality of biblical re uh, revelation, the writer to the Hebrews claims the word of God is living and active. Have you experienced that? Like, not in a creepy way, like it's alive, but, but like it's alive. Like it's got the capacity to speak to us right in our season, right in this moment, right where we live, uh, right where we struggle. God's word has a way of speaking to us because it's what's well, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and it attitudes of the heart, Hebrews 4. The word of God is powerful, right? J.I. Packer said, the Bible is God preaching. <laughs> so like God speaking, communicating truth to us. That's what the Bible is. It's God preaching to us to bring us into new life with him. Augustine described it as love letters from home. So it's just this powerful revelation that we have in the 66 books of the Bible and the pages of scripture. We've got this powerful truth that God has given to us. So there's strong evidential reasons to believe the Bible is God's word, but the best test comes from, well, from personal experience. So the challenge to us is, hey, try living the Bible. Try, what does it mean to live the Bible? Like read it and do it. Read it and obey it. Read it and do what it tells you to do. Living the Bible will give you the best possible experience and opportunity to realize that it is alive and it's active and it's sharp and it's, it, it, it brings about what we need in every season of life. Accept its savior as your savior. So don't just read about the savior of the world, but make Jesus your savior and just see what God will do in your life. Over and over again throughout history, people have tried to disprove the scripture. And a lot of times when people are reading and studying and investigating the scripture, they become converted. They don't disprove it, but they become converted in their, in their lives. They, they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Make its principles, its guideposts, the guiding direction for your life. So we're talking a lot about the Bible and Christianity, but what about, what about other beliefs? What about other religious systems? I mean, can't we all just like get along? <laughs> Aren't we after all of the same things? Don't we believe basically the same thing? I see this bumper sticker all the time on people's cars. And as I sit there, I'm studying the different religious symbols 
And I realize we're all so different. So can we all get along? Absolutely, we can all get along. But we certainly do not agree. <laughs> we certainly do not agree. Conventional wisdom these days debates or dictates that the various religions are just different roads up the same mountain, kind of like all roads lead to Rome. We're all on the same path. And so that's what conventional wisdom would tell us. They say it doesn't matter which God you trust because they are all the same, different name, same God. People say things like this, Allah is Jehovah. And Buddhists and Hindus seek the same God that we worship. People also say different holy books are simply religious well, they're simply religious diaries, and who's to say that your diary is right and mine is wrong? Such an approach to world religions and their writings feels, it feels tolerant and even hopeful. On some level, it feels like, boy, we can all gather around and sing kumbaya together and be one big happy family. So there's a warm kind of fuzzy as we think about possibly all getting along. But is it true? Is it possible? Is that a reality that we can all gather no matter what we choose to believe and sing Kumbaya together? Is it true? Do other religions agree? <laughs> Do they agree with this characterization of their faith commitment? In a word, no. In a word, they do not agree. Buddhist beliefs Buddha taught that there is no God, despite the fact that a lot of his followers worship him. He instructed his disciples to avoid all material desires that they might cease their suffering. Hindu beliefs. Hindus believe in thousands of territorial deities, but no no Lord of the universe. Brahman is the divine force that sustains the universe, not a personal God to be worshipped. Muslim beliefs. Muslims believe that Allah, the Arabic word for God, is the one supreme ruler of the universe. That Jesus was a prophet, but not the divine Son of God, and that salvation comes through obedience to the Quran. This book is Allah's self-revelation through his prophet Muhammad. They believe all other, they believe all other, they believe all other holy books are inferior to it, for its pages, its pages alone contain the very word of God. Can't we all just get along? No one thinks we can all just kind of get along. Jewish beliefs, Jews believe that Yahweh revealed himself through the laws and the prophets of their scriptures, and I would agree. But they also believe that Jesus was, was not the Messiah, and that the New Testament is not the word of God. They base their hope of heaven on the mercy of God in response to their lives of obedience and morality. Mormon beliefs, Mormons believe that God revealed himself in the Bible, but also in their book of Mormon, a history of the early peoples of the Western Hemisphere. Joseph Smith translated the book from golden plates that he claimed to have received from the angel Moroni. Doctrine and Covenants contains further revelation received by Joseph Smith from God. The Pearl of Great Price contains more writings of Smith. They picture God as an eternal being of flesh and 
bone who had physical relations with Mary to produce Jesus. So just barely scratching the surface of what they believe, we know that it's contrary to Scripture, contrary to what we believe is the truth from the Word of God. Salvation and heavenly rewards come through obedience to these revelations they go on and teach. So, <laughs> so if any one of these religions is right, the others, by definition, are wrong. We can't all be right. If any of these other religions are right, then by definition, all others are wrong. If we believe what the Mormons believe, then we cannot believe what born-again Christians believe and so forth. And in fact, none, none believe that other religions are equally correct or divinely inspired. None of, no real believer in any of these religious uh, experiences or whatever, these other religions believe that other religions are equally correct or divinely inspired. I, at my house, I get people knocking on the door. Jehovah's Witnesses, hey, I'm a Christian pastor, but what do they want to do? Well, they want, well if we're all Christians, why do they want to convert me? Because they know that I'm not one of them, right? Mormon, right? Same deal. Right? So we can all say, hey, let's kumbaya sing and get along and do it. But we just believe differently. And so it makes a huge difference in the way that we live our lives. The, the scriptures that the various world religions trust do not describe different paths up the same mountain, but very different mountains. So choose, choose wisely. I want to say thank you to Dr. Denniston for his article. A lot of what I've been talking about here in the last 10 minutes has been information from his article. It's just helpful to, for us to get our heads around truth. At Harvest Church, at Harvest Church, here at Harvest Church, we are confident in the Word of God, the Bible. That, that's all we have. <laughs> People show up and they say, well, you, you teach out of the Bible. I'm like, what else? In the world, would we teach? <laughs> Even if I knew something else, I wouldn't want to teach it because anything else is going to take us up the wrong mountain, down the wrong path. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through, through me. Pretty clear, Jesus is declaring that he is the only way, that Christianity is the only way. So we have confidence in the word of God because of what we glean from the word of God, but beyond the fact that we just know that it is God breathed, that he spoke it. But, but my experience in the scriptures declare that when we read the word of God, there's incredible joy that is experienced. There's incredible joy that we experience as readers and doers of the word of God. So at Harvest Church, we, we are confident in the Word of God, the Bible. Why? Because God's Word brings joy to those who follow it. Is that, has that been your experience? It's been, it's been my experience. 
<laughs> Reading about God and his work with humanity on the earth always fills me with hope and with joy because if God can work through the people in the pages of scripture, I have hope and, uh, that he can work through me and that gives me great joy. <laughs> and it should give you great joy as well. The psalmist understood this. Psalm 119.1 says this, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful, blessed, happy are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. How do we get to that place of integrity? We follow the instruction of the Lord. Integrity flows out of our obedience. And so we become people, men, women, young people, old people of integrity when we do what God has asked us to do. Nehemiah got it. He said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Where do we get that joy from? Just doing the will of God. It fills us with just this great deal of joy and confidence because we're doing what God has called us to do. And accompanied the fruit of that obedience is joy. What's the opposite of that? Disobedience brings what? <laughs> Turmoil, right? It, it just kind of causes angst in our souls. Like I see, Lord, <laughs> I see, but I, I'm not interested, right? So, so there's this inward, internal battle as believers. And I, we, re, we really experience it every day because I don't know, most people I know get up in the morning and that's when they have their devotional time. Others do it at night and that's great. But this is the reality. We wake up in the morning <sighs> Everything's got our attention, right? Like I got to get my first cup of coffee, right? Because Lord, I'm not going to be able to really pay attention to what you're saying <laughs> until I get my first cup of coffee. Well, Lord, I, I really need to kind of wake up. <sighs> so I need to see what's going on in the world. So I click on the internet and I see what's going on on, on my, you know, homepage. Oh, interesting, interesting. Uh, uh, another cup of coffee. That would be helpful, right, Lord? So I'm going to get another cup of coffee and get my second cup of coffee. And, oh, I got some emails or, or text messages that are, I mean, they've been waiting all night. I got I to gotta get to them eventually, right? So I jump onto that, right? And so I probably use a third cup of coffee. I, I, have, I mean, after all, I do have three cups of coffee every single morning, right? So it's important that I get my third cup of coffee. And so, right, well, then something pops up on, on social media. I'm like, well, this is pretty interesting, right? So before long, it's been an hour and a half, and I'm just trying to wake up. Well, so now I'm late to work. I got, like, very little time to get ready to go. So, hey, let's pick it up at lunchtime, Lord. Lunchtime rolls around. Oh, I'm so hungry. Let's go to In-N-Out. Let's get ourselves a... That's what a hamburger's all about, right? I mean, you got you, you to gotta eat, right? We're watching this show called Alone. If you guys seen it, it's a great show, right? Got some language, so forgive me for that. But it's a great show, right? So these people are alone on an island, and they're trying to survive off the land. And they're like there 30 days and 40 days and 50 days. And, and they're like getting, they're losing weight. One guy went on the show, and he, he put on like 100 extra pounds so that on the show he could lose 100 pounds and still be okay. Like he's like, I'm going to chunk it up, right? I'm going to, I'm going to put on some weight. So he's there for, I was watching, I think it was last night and he's lost like 68 pounds, but he's still got some, some love on him. Like he still can lose some weight. And so, and so he's prepared. He's like going into the, this competition with some chunk on him so that he can survive. Right. I'm thinking this is what we need to be doing as believers, like going into the 
competition, which is the battle, which is life. Like we need to get fattened up for the battle, right? Spiritually, get a little fat on you, right? Get a little, like, don't just get enough for the moment, like get enough for the day and, and then get up the next morning and, and just gorge yourself on some food. Cause you might get out there in the day and then you're having to do what these other poor people do and they're eating these mushrooms <laughs> and these roots and, and sna snails and mice and right. And so we kind of do the same thing. We resort to things that are just kind of, it's not, it's, but it's not a sign of beef, right? I mean, like God's word is, I mean, I'm thinking a poor house. Sorry. If, if you're, if you're a, a vegetarian, I'm sorry, but I'm not, <laughs> I never will be. So just like a big old fat poor house, but we gotta, we gotta make it intentional. We gotta be intentional. So the joy that the scripture talks about, the joy of the godly is the reward for godliness. Those, those people on the show, they're all cranky. Why? Because they're hungry. So they're hangry, right? So when you're not filled up with the word of God and the truth of God, you can get the same way. You get spiritually kind of hangry, right? You But when you've feasted well on the word of God, you've got the capacity to have the joy of God. If you don't feast on the word of God, your capacity to have the joy of God is greatly hindered. That's just the way it is. That's why we've talked about this. In the wilderness, the people of Israel, they were given manna daily, right? And if they took extra for the next day, fearful that God wasn't going to provide for them, it turned stinky and filled with maggots, right? And so God said, hey, trust me, get enough for the day and eat. So get it in, fill it up. And then do it again tomorrow. It's the design. Every day we're meant to get the word of God, the manna of God. Joyful, verse 2, joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. So what we're talking about actually takes effort. Joyful are those who obey. That obedience always takes effort, right? We got to make a decision. I'm going to obey. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do and search for him with all their hearts. And so it requires effort to do what God has called us to do, we, we, it would be so much easier if it was just, well, if it was easy, right? <laughs> I talked to somebody years ago, and we're having coffee at Andrini's, and they're like, man, this Christian life is so hard. I just want it to be easy. I'm like, are you reading the same book that I'm reading? Like, I'm not sure that you're reading the same. It's not going to be easy. We have moments where it's less hard, and there's plenty of joy along the way, but we are in a a spiritual battle in the chapel up the road. We used to have this gray door that, you know, the big four foot wide door, if you've been in that building and we put that door in there and it came in gray. I'm like, that's perfect. It doesn't match the decor, but it's like battleship gray. Like it reminds us that we're on a battleship, but not a cruise ship. Like if we're here, it's because we've got positions of responsibility, we realized that we're in a battle. And so we kept it battleship gray until somebody painted it off white. Isn't that just perfect? Like it went from battleship gray, like call to action, and then to off white. I don't know what happened there, but we lost our vision there for a moment. And 
But this is the reality is that we're called to action. It's not always going to be easy. In fact, most of the times it's going to be hard work, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. Verse three, they do not compromise with evil. This is so back to verse two, joyful are those who obey the laws and search for him with all their hearts. So this takes effort. The result, the results of the effort, the fruit of the effort, verse three, they do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. <laughs> this is the result of just heartfelt dedication to Jesus to follow him and to do what he's called us to do. They do not compromise with evil. Maybe you're struggling today with compromise with some form of evil. You fill in the blank. The world is full of all kinds of evil things that we're, can be tempted to be running toward. If you're tempted, you need to stop and get into the word and open up the word of God and just inform your spirit and make a decision in your heart and mind that I am going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and not compromise with evil, but only walk in his paths. You have charged us, verse 4, to keep your commandments carefully. So if you pull that word apart, commandments, it's not suggestments. It doesn't even sound very good to say hey, Let me give you some, some suggestments. <laughs> right? Like, it's silly, right? These are words of instruction that God has given to his people. Commandments are commands, keeping the commandments or the precepts, teachings, guidelines, and principles of God are not optional, actually. They're commanded by God. And the whole Bible is a book of instruction, and it's kind of pointless to read it and not do what it says in the psalmist agreed, he said, oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Isn't that interesting? Oh, my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. So the writer of Psalms in Psalm 119 uses eight different words to describe God's word, God's law. He uses eight different words, and we don't have time to unpack them today, but each of the words help with a little bit more information, a little more, they give us a little more clarity about what the writer is talking about. So we see law, words, and then laws. It's actually a different Greek word in the text with a diff, slightly different meaning that gives it more better nuance. And again, we don't have time to unpack it, but I would encourage you as homework to go unpack it and see what you learn laws, word, laws, statute, command, decrees, precepts, word, or promise. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. This was the desire of the writer of the Psalms. He, he probably had an experience where he wasn't doing what he's writing about. And the result was, well, it's everything that we know because we're all guilty of falling short. We know the result. It's we get lethargic spiritually. We get kind of lukewarm spiritually. We get a little less convicted about sin spiritually where we kind of allow ourselves to be drawn into things that are unhealthy for us spiritually. And so there's a whole host of things that will happen. God knows uh, what will strengthen us and the enemy knows what will trip us up. <laughs> God knows that his word will strengthen us so that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not 
be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. Ashamed, that's a word that we can identify with, right? Because we've all felt some shame when we've not aligned our lives with his precepts. We've all felt the cringe of shame. The Lord doesn't want us to feel shameful, so he gives us the antidote here, the remedy. He said, just do what I've called you to do. So the word of God is like a mirror. We talk about this a lot, that we hold up to our lives so that we can kind of see how we're doing. Lord, how's my life in light of the word? We hold it up and we say, yeah, I, I'm not doing that very well, but I, I've grown here. And so we can kind of discern how we are doing. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I, as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. <laughs> the psalmist is so real, right? Because he's like, most of us, we're like wanting to honor the Lord with our lives. We're wanting to seek God with our whole lives, but we stumble and fall short. And so the writer's saying, hey, don't, don't give up on me. I, I want to make you a promise that God will not give up on you. He, he loves you. If, if you stumble, get back up. Anybody, have, ever, have you ever had to do that before? Many times. May, may, once or twice, right? Like all the time, like you stumble, right? So you, you don't just stay there in the gutter. You get back up. You get back up. And God promises never to give up on you. When you say, Lord, I'm, I'm wanting to live my life. I'm doing it imperfectly altogether, but I want to honor you. So this is a humble and accurate prayer for all of us. Lord, my heart and my desire are to honor and obey you, but please don't give up on me when I stumble. Number one, God's word brings joy to those who follow it. Number two, God's word brings purity to those who obey it. So joy and purity are the results of people who will press in, honor, and obey God's word. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young person keep, uh, stay pure? How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Good for young, good for old. Right? Young and old. How can a person stay pure? By just doing what God's word says, by obeying your word. A pure life is the result of obedience. If you're struggling with your personal purity, it's, it's because you're struggling with obedience to the word. And the simple answer is open up the word every day and say, I am going to be obedient by your grace and in your strength. And just begin to walk that out. The internet's the wor worst place in the world to try to live in personal purity, right? Because things pop up. I was doing an internet search. I shared it with Neil, one of my elders here. And I said, hey, I was doing this internet search. And this, all these sites came up. I'm like, holy guacamole. And uh, I was sitting right there in the sound booth on a Friday, last Friday. I'm like, goodness gracious. I didn't think this search would bring those opportunities. You know, so they didn't populate the screen, but they certainly populated my options <laughs> to click on. And I told Neil, I said, I'm so grateful that I've got covenant eyes on my computer so that my wife sees everything <laughs> on my iPad, my laptop, my phone, so that even if I'm tempted and want to click, I'm afraid to death to do it. <laughs> right? So there's some really good practical things we can put into place to help us not to stumble. 
right? So we heard a couple weeks ago that uh, Jeremy talked about the age. I think it's age right around age six, seven, eight years old is the time when little boys and girls have their first, first exposure to hardcore pornography. Hardcore stuff. So, what are you going to do about it? Like, you got to put safeguards and parameters on your devices, right? Dudes, it's not like going to your uncle's house and finding a Playboy in his shop. You're carrying the junk with you all the time. So you're not going to just possibly stumble onto it. You're going to stumble upon it. So you got it. Personal purity is it's in your hands to figure it out. A pure life is a result of obedience. I've tried hard to find you, the writer says. Don't let me wander from your commands. Obedience requires effort. Purity requires effort. You got to decide. I'm not looking at that. I'm not doing that. I'm not participating in that. I'm not doing it. And then don't do it. Hmm. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We are out of time. The last uh, point is about the wisdom that is available to us. God's word brings wisdom to those who desire it. So part of my joy and uh, personal purity and the wisdom is, is engaging your heart, your life, your mind in the word of God. And it's true for people who are brand new in the faith. And it's true for people who've been walking with Jesus for decades, forever, because the battle is never over this side of heaven. It's a battle. We need to get some, oh, we kind of have some battleship gray on these chairs, but anyway, you get the point. What have you learned? And what will you do with what you've learned? What will you, what's your takeaway? What are you going to do? Spend time in the word. word. How's that different from what you're doing now? Okay, good. (laughs) What else? Some of you need to get covenant eyes on your computer. Um, All of your devices, all of them. What else? Walk in the spirit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Choose to obey. Hmm? Choose to obey. Choose, yeah. What do you do when you stumble, though? What do you, what do, you do when you stumble? Ask God, for Ask God for forgiveness. Keep going, right? Yeah, Gary. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. So practically speaking, Gary, so you've been walking with Jesus for, I don't know, 100 years probably. <laughs> <laughs> Gary is my youth pastor in junior high school, and um, so we go back a couple years. And um, so, Gary, in all of your years as a leader, as a believer, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of these things sound good, right? In principle, we, we want the joy, we, we, we want the purity, we want the wisdom. Um, but hey, come, come up here, Gary, for a moment. Come up here for a moment. I never do this, and I started last week, and I might just keep going. We'll see. So, Gary, um, let's invite the worship team up as well, because we're going to um, worship, and we're going to take communion. And um, so I'm putting you on the spot, because I know that I can. 
Hey, Gary. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, these are, you know, these are good. Theoretically, they're good. And in truth, they're solid. But what happens when you're having a bad day and you say something, do something, regret a decision? What, I mean, how do you get back? I mean, what do you do to, can you, can you, alt, can you overcome that altogether? I don't think you can over, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think you can overcome it altogether, this side of heaven. Hmm. But when we fall, we have to rise. We have hmm. to keep running. The Christian walk is not a sprint or a mm. hundred yard dash. That's what I've learned. It's a long distance race, a marathon. And Jesus promised to always be with us. But your wife left you. Yeah. What is that? I mean, how does that settle? <clears throat> that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to face in my life. But it wasn't my doing. It wasn't my fault. It was like a, a boat drifting away from the dock. I could see it. And before long, she didn't want to walk with Jesus anymore. And I was one of the elders in the church. She didn't want to be with me anymore. I have some good friends that I stayed with for a little while because I was kicked out of the house. And every morning I would get up and I would read my Bible. And my friend's wife said to me, Gary, how can you do that with what you're going through? You just continue to read the Bible. And I said, because it's the only thing I have. The word of God is truth. There is no other truth. And it kept me going because I kept listening to what God said. Put one foot in front of the other. Love your children. Be there for them. And continue on. After seven years, God gave me a wonderful new wife, <laughs> my Nelly. Mm. And she loves the Lord with all of her heart. Sometimes I think she loves him more than I do. <laughs> she knows how to reprove me in a way that I receive it. When I mess up, I uh, ask her forgiveness, and she forgives me. When she messes up, she asks my forgiveness, and I forgive her. It takes two forgiving people to make a marriage work. All I can say is the Word of God has been my rock, my strength, my daily necessary food. That's what David said. I have esteemed your Word more than my daily food. Yeah. It's like Steve was saying, do you get up and eat breakfast first? No. Sit down and read the Word of God. Even if it's just five minutes, meditate on a verse. The art of meditation is a lost art. And what David meant was to let it roll around in your mind until you're muttering it. That's what the ancients used to do. The early men of God, Tozer, um, Spurgeon, you could go on and on. There were so many. They relied on the Word of God every day. And they didn't take a step without it. That's all I can say. That's what helped me for 50 years now. I've, I've been walking with the Lord. September 20th was 50 years. And he's never failed me yet. Never. Thank you, Lord.
that's very powerful. Mm. We're going to take communion, and so it's a good time to examine your hearts, and uh, maybe it's time to re rededicate, recommit. Maybe you've been through a hard path like Gary and like so, so many of us, and you've been angry with God. You've been harboring bitterness, resentment. Let this time of worship and remembrance be a time where you get set free. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's take the bread. same way he also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns let's go ahead and take the cup Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for giving us joy. Joy is so available to us and it's promised to us. Thank you for purity. It's available to us and promised to us. Thank you for wisdom, Lord. It's available and promised to us. We love you. We need you. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and stand up and worship.
it out and declare this truth. I will exalt you. Father, we could just stay in your presence all day. Thank you for the honor that it is to exalt your name. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for your word that never returns void. Lord, may we we wake up in the morning with the desire to open our Bibles. May we wake up with the desire to get your word in our spirits and on our minds. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you for your love. Would you go before us this week? It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.